0: Jew and Gentile Podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzik. How are you, sir? I am doing good, but you look
1: dapper today. Oh, you, thank you very you much. You got the pink shirt going, I'm, the brown new belt. I'm I, doing the best I can. You are, I, I'm the schlep here. No way, uh, no, I no wear, way. I wear the same thing every, almost every day. No,
0: you look fantastic. Uh, i I am just. uh, I got to step up my game.
1: Well, summer is coming. We're still in spring. Another week or so to go till summer. But you've got the summer going on with your clothes
0: there. I always prefer summer than than spring and oh winter. I can't stand winter. Once summer comes out, boom, I'm outside. You look like
1: you're ready for Florida.
0: Uh, You are a Florida kind of guy. Well, as we're doing this, I'll be. On my way to Florida, actually, we're going to be we're doing or preempting our show here for our listeners. Um, But I'll be driving to Florida as you're listening to this podcast. Chris with his
1: arm over the steering wheel, the kids on their iPads in the back of the of the whatever it is you're driving, van, SUV, anything to hold six people in luggage. yep, Yep. Back in my day, we had the seat that felt that face backwards so we had two of our kids (laughs) in the back and no one wanted to sit in that third seat oh really no one wanted to sit facing backwards Uh, the first day i got the car they did after after one trip they said i'm
0: not yeah i'm done with this yeah i'm (laughs) I'm over this hey i'm so glad that our listeners have tuned in thank you for being a part of the jew and gentile podcast hey just a fresh reminder you can contact us at 424 444 1948, leave us a text, shoot us a text. Steve, actually, we got a great text. One of our seven actually contacted us. I know. We have a great uh, listener here from the area code 864, which is in South Carolina. He's a Messianic Jewish believer. He listens to the podcast. He says he's a little behind, but he likes the Revelation podcast we have going on right now. And he listens on iHeartRadio app uh, and so he says he's always a little bit behind. But, hey, what, no problem. I heart
1: radio. You Somebody's didn't... listening to us on <laughs> I heart radio on the
0: app. I think I guess we have our podcast on that. Unbelievable. App. Steve, I'm glad that you're impressed. That's I'm very I, impressed. I live to impress you. And that I've done it. <laughs> it's I think not we, a high standard. Well, let's, let's hey. you know what? The podcast is over. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, uh, we have a great show for you. We are going to be talking about uh, the Jewish afterlife coming up in a moment. We've got some great news. We're going to be looking at Revelation uh, chapter 20 today. Oh, we've got some interesting music coming up. We have we've discovered some things. You know, I was thinking about Revelation chapter
1: 20, and I wanted to add something that's a little bit different. So I, so I was looking up music that kind of, you know, from... The time of creation, and it fell. Man sinned, and things are tough. So because of my age, I thought, oh, happy days are here again. So I looked it up, asked you about it. Of course, you never heard of the song. song, And so I was looking on YouTube for different renditions, and I said, nah, this really isn't good. Although, those of you old enough to remember Happy Days Are Here Again, it actually was written in 1929 when the depression came along so they're trying to find some upbeat kind of way but anyway we I checked out some other things and found something very interesting we'll be hearing and it's those totally who could different
0: watch, from happy days are here Let's it's just- <laughs> totally different from happy days are here again uh steve um With our phone number, 424-444-1948, people can contact us. But you are wondering, actually, if our audience might be interested in something.
1: Well, you know, Chris, you and I have talked, mostly me, I want to get us mugs. I want to get us coffee mugs, the Jew and Gentile coffee mug. Uh, Those of, of you who are able to watch us on YouTube, behind me and directly in front of Chris is a picture of uh the Jew and Gentile what we use as a promo for all seven of you who are listening and we've talked about oh wouldn't it be cool to get a mug and uh one of our seven listeners Patty uh I talked to her about it and she said I would buy one and I'd buy one for each of my friends oh now uh we're not looking to make money we but we don't want to spend the money on the mugs and be and be stuck with whatever we order well, and, and no also one's ordering
0: seven mugs will be very expensive. So. That's right. That's right. So,
1: what we decided since we got our 424 444 1948 text uh vehicle to be able to communicate with us, we want to throw it out there if you would be interested first interested in the idea. That's a good idea to have a Jew and a, the Jew and the Gentile podcast mug if you're interested, and then would you buy one?
0: Yeah, and it would also be a component to help support the Jew and Gentile podcast as exactly. well. And FOI Equip and all that we're doing in FOI Equip. So Exactly. It's, we've, we've had this campaign going on for a long time between me and Steve. Steve wants it. He goes, I want a mug on a mug. That's what that's, he says. That's what I call it, a mug on a mug. Steve wants a mug on a mug. So if you want a mug on a mug, let us know you're interested, 424 444 1948. Um, and uh, we'll get to work on it. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what we can do to make that possible. But text us, let us know again, 424 444 1948. Steve, uh, Jewish afterlife. We've, we've, I mean, it's been astonishing to hear various perspectives uh, from one New Testament scholar, Amy Jill Levine, whose mother passed away. And in that moment, she's a very liberal New Testament scholar, um, probably doesn't believe a lot of anything about the New Testament. Not
1: according to her husband. When we read that uh, little piece, he he said, you never talked
0: about an afterlife. And she she said, uh, for my mother. I have it's exactly, exactly because she wants the hope of seeing her mother again. So all, like that, she switched on a dime. And then we heard about rec- uh, reincarnation. Yes, um, we've now just last week we heard about uh, resurrection, that which is a very bi- the, the biblical view of the afterlife.
1: It, exactly this this comes from Moment Magazine, and the title is "There Life After Death: Jewish Thinking on the Afterlife." And up above it says "Better Health for a Better World." <laughs> there you go. Uh, well. Here here is Joshua Cohn, who's the author of Heaven of Others and Wits, W-I-T-Z. And here's what he says. I think everybody thinks about it, that is, the afterlife. The afterlife is the principal preoccupation of anyone who's going to die, regardless of religion. Judaism has never decided on a formal approach to the afterlife. It's never had a formal approach to eschatology, either. What's going to happen at the end of the world? We're left with a typically practical or provisional interest in the world as it is, a regulation of the mundane, the here and now, rather than a pondering of the celestial. I've always felt the afterlife exists in relation to life in the same way literature exists in relation to life. It's an imaginary sphere in which one can play out one's fears, neuroses, desires, and pains, but it is still a terrain strictly for the living, only the living can play, or imagine, or read. Once a man dies, his afterlife ceases to exist. Jews, if not Judaism, regard death as a great injustice. Everything I've, re- uh, everything I've read tells me that Judaism is loath to encourage a positive view of the afterlife because it might encourage a more positive attitude toward death. Anything that would see death as a salvation risks encouraging the believer to shirk his job on earth or opt for thoughtless martyrdom. The classic refusal of salvation is the Mourner's Kaddish, which says nothing about death or about life after death. I've always read the Mourner's Kaddish as a unique provocation to God. Quote, Magnified and sanctified is God who brought us all here to the graveside to suffer, and yet who still hasn't offered any reward? It verges on gallows humor. I've never subscribed to the myth that the Kaddish can be used to spring one parents from purgatory. Mm. It's merely a call to duty. I remember as a kid thinking, yes, yes, that's a very effective way of getting me to shul.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, and it sounds like what that
0: who is that again? What was that? His name,
1: his name is Joshua Cohn, it, author of Heaven of Others.
0: You know what's interesting about that is he's he's saying that there is no doctrinal perspective on the afterlife in Judaism, which is patently false. Yeah, it's just not true. No, uh, uh, because Maimonides, the very famous Rambam, the 12th century Sephardic Jewish rabbi, who is praised among all Jewish people. You'll find his photo and his painting in most synagogues. Uh, he wrote out the 13 principles, which is essentially the doctrinal statement of Judaism, and the last two principles have to do with the coming of the Messiah and the establishment of a, and the resurrection of uh, of the body, which is the afterlife. And so there's always been a concept of the afterlife. It, biblically, there's been a concept of the afterlife in the Old Testament, and then that's what, Rab, what Maimonides was doing was just building on that so 100 percent.
1: you go to israel you realize that there are actually some people buried at the mount of olives standing up are there
0: really I fr- yep they're standing up
1: because when the resurrection not all of them but some like of standing them standing up underground or they're yeah, in a th- underground so that when the resurrection comes boom they're first up <laughs> you I like it like an elevator. Uh, boom. Hey, you. the more time you spend with, with the Lord, the better it is.
0: So, boom, they're up. Was that in their will? Hey, don't bury me uh, laying down. I want to be buried. I want to be ready to go. Uh,
1: the, po- the point is, he said... Got eschat- Air
0: Jordans on. <laughs>
1: Eschatology is a subject that a number of Jewish people hold. Um it, remember, we said way at the beginning of this podcast, you get two of us together, you get three opinions. And then we agreed, hey, you get two Christians together, you could get more more than three uh, yeah, opinions. That's not
0: just a Jewish yeah, thing.
1: Yeah, it's not a Jewish thing. But definitely the idea of life after death, the book of Daniel talks about it. There's hope in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, Ezekiel talks about it, a resurrection, even of Israel, that picture of Israel being resurrected. Exactly. So again, it's it's interesting uh, that Look, Jewish people do celebrate life. There's no question about that. I often tell when I'm at a church and I I talk about sometimes the Jewish view of evangelicals. Oh, you people talk about his death and dying and and uh the and afterlife, g- the yeah. afterlife. What about living? And that's where you get lechayim. We hi life. Mm-hmm. Uh. And so I say to believe, especially as a Jewish person, to believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah and the Savior brings two different uh, or opposing views and puts it marvelously together. So, yes, as a Jewish person, we celebrate life. You want to live life and embrace it. It's not a downer. Uh, I've met some believers who this whole everything is bad. The world is ending. Mm. There's nothing good. Well, there's lots of good things. You have family. You celebrate things. There is joy, but there's also problems. And so, we, those who believe that Jesus is the Savior, we can live on the earth and embrace the grace that He's given to each one of us, and then look forward
0: to a future with Him forever. That's what a blessing! A hundred percent. It's just interesting to me to hear that individual say, "Ah." Eh. It's what you like. That's it to probably be- the way you said it. Yeah. Eh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the, eh forget about it. <laughs> that's right. But that it is interesting that he would claim that there is no there is no uh biblical basis or 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 a, a doctrine to Jude. Well, but well, you know what, that comes as a result of you know, one day we'll have to have a conversation with our audience about the differences of in Judaism, um, when it comes to the the spheres of or the uh the the um the the different world view, world views of Judaism, from conservatism, Orthodox to the more reformed and Reconstructionist. So, a reformed Jewish person definitely, or even Reconstructionist, would have a a mindset that ah, maybe there's an afterlife, maybe there isn't. But the Bible says nothing about that. Well, you know,
1: Chris, here's there's three words here that epitomize Western culture. As a Joshua Cohen wrote this, I've always felt. Mm-hmm. There it is. He says, I've always felt the afterlife exists in relationship to life. Okay, you could feel that way all you want. (laughs) Yeah, But if you did research, you'd realize that there are views of, yes, there is eschatology, Jewish eschatology. Yes, there is an afterlife, according to the Bible and rabbinic theology. So you you could reject that. We talk about that all the time. God has told us what to do. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people were supposed to be obedient. Yes, we will do this. And how long did it take? Well, we didn't really mean it. (laughs) We're not going to do it. Forty days Moses was
0: up on Mount Sinai.
1: to be. You know what? We're free here. We got garlic. We got
0: leeks. It's better to go back to Egypt. I just (laughs) always think it's funny. Moses goes, I'll be back soon. Just stay put. I'm going to go up to Mount Sinai, and then I'll come back down. I'm going to represent you. And what? Forty days. The guy comes down. The guy. They they broke the law. The you law know what didn't they even said? come down yet. They said they broke the law. He's not coming back. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's
1: build something. We gotta worship something. <laughs> That's so. It's so. I mean, it's it's so us. It's so sinful, man. That's what we are. It's sinful, man. It's exactly because we do, oh, 40 days. Is God even Aye, listening yeah, to yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be f- feel like 40 days when you take your uh, family down driving to Florida. Well, we leave at 4.30 in the morning. You're, so, ar- you're already in trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I'm hoping they get up, get in the car, get excited, and then fall back asleep again. <laughs> there so, you go. And that will give us a couple hours of some quiet. So, there you go. You used to do that. You had four kids. I used
1: to get up at 3. We put kept them in their jammies. We just, especially when they were super little, the two older ones uh, got in the car on their own, and I remember just pulling one, our <laughs> twins, out of the out of the crib and w- w- walking him or her, depending on which one I had, dropping them in
0: the car seat. N- not skip a beat. They were sleeping and stayed asleep. A hundred percent. That's what I want. But they're get- my twins are getting kind of old now, so yeah. uh, they're not really there. But hopefully they fall asleep. Uh, Steve, I do want to remind our listeners that the Jew and Gentile podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip, and we've what got- a
1: class. We are having a great class that's coming up.
0: That's Tell right. Us. It's we've got Tim Harrison who's going to be te- teaching on church history, and this is how this came about. We do weekly chapels here at Friends of Israel, and we have people do uh, from all around the world uh, with Friends of Israel do our you know do a devotional or share about what's going on in their we ministry. Pray together, pray together during the chapel, and so during one of the chapels a few weeks ago, uh, our very own Tim Harrison here at the Friends of Israel. He did uh, one on church history, and he highlighted one of the church fathers, and he did a fantastic job of teaching about church history in a really applicable way. And so that's why Steve and I we got out of chapel. We said, "Oh, we got to have Tim on for FOI. We got to make a course." And he's
1: he's he is so laid back, so easy. Hey, Tim, do you think you could do that uh, at on a course that we have equip? He said, "Oh yeah, sure." Uh, when when do you want it?
0: A hundred percent. So
1: we said in the summer, and so he's I keep talking to him. Are you ready? He said, I'm almost there.
0: I'm almost there. Steve, I have to tell you, every single time I plan out a year with our committee, our FOI equip committee, and I plan out our classes for the year, I always say, Guys, we're gonna take off in July. We're not gonna do anything. And then within a few months. Boom, July gets filled. It's a 3-week course. It starts July 6. If you want to register for Tim Harrison's church history class to learn about some important figures in church history. Remember, the church didn't just appear after the reformation. The church didn't just appear in the last, uh, you know, 100 years. The church that you go to today stands on millennia of church history uh, and God has preserved the gospel of the church. Uh, the gospel uh, to continue to flourish, to continue to bring people to faith in Him for thousands of years, and so it's important to understand where our history comes from. And you know, that's what Chris, will be talking about. Uh, Tim Harrison
1: is a Egyptologist. It's a hobby of his, but he he goes to the museum down in Philadelphia. He could read the hieroglyphics. Yeah, I know. He he has taken uh, without having the proper uh, scholarly credentials. He has taken PhDs uh to the museum and read the stuff, the hieroglyphics there, given them interesting information about Egypt and all that. And he just said, Oh yeah, it's no big deal. It's just a little hobby of mine that I dabble in. Yep. He is a
0: well, he also does trains, he does model trains as a hobby, and church history is a hobby. So there you go. He's, you're going an to have, amaz- he's an amazing guy. You're going to have a great time with him. If you want to register for his class, be sure to go to foiequip.org. Steve, Revelation chapter 20. We are getting
1: so close. We are getting in a good place, and we're not playing that song, Happy Days Are Here Again, but <laughs> they are. I think Adam uh, and Eve would be saying after Do the- you want to sing it now? I mean, No, you can no, it no, out. no, no, no. But— uh, I was trying to think because think about it, Chris. Genesis chapter three, the earth is now because of what Adam and Eve did. The earth is moaning. Yeah, I mean, the, we just had uh, a, about a week ago we had smoke from Canada hey. here in New York, looked like an orange blaze. But there's all kinds of stuff that happens to
0: planet Earth that's happened to us because of sin, and God made certain promises. Do you know, You know, in light of our teaching on the end times, last days, eschatology, whatever you want to call it, um, I was listening to the news about the Canadian fires that came down here, and it was bad. I mean, oh, it, was it was bad. bad. And so uh, the sun was darkened. It was orange. orange. It was, was ar- orange. It was like an, the apocalypse. It was. And so um, I was watching the news at night, and apparently it had happened before in the 1700s, when there was no TV, when there was no internet, when there was, you know, everybody stayed in their communities for the most part, and all of a sudden, that smoke from Canada comes down, and the people living down here thought it's the last days, it's the end times that are going on right now because the sun is blotted out, and the, you know, and so anyway, it can was... you imagine being a pastor then at <laughs> Sunday and you say, "Repent now!" <laughs> Repent. <laughs> The sign is visible. That's right. And then all of a sudden, sky's clear, and the guy goes, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so go ahead. Sorry all right.
1: So so we're coming to chapter 20. And uh, by the way, again, last uh, week we talked about mishmash uh, and all the different views that there are, are there from a Christian point of view of eschatology. And in this chapter, Chris, six times a thousand, a thousand years, is said six times. Mm-hmm. And there's some Christians say, yeah, don't don't pay any attention to that. Like uh from um the Wizard of Oz, you know, when at the end of the movie when uh the wizard tells Dorothy, "Don't pay attention to the guy on the side there. Yeah, but Look at the guy in the front. <laughs> don't, don't disregard everything you're saying." They pull, pull the curtain back. That's what right, they pull the curtain back. Well, look, it says a thousand years. And it's important I think that we say That from the beginning when we started this book, The Revelation of Jesus Christ, unless the context tells us something different, we regard Jesus as literal. Mm -hmm. We regard the 144,000 as literal. Mm -hmm. We regard the, uh, the announcements of judgments by angels, real angels, as literal. All these things we regard because it simply says so, and there's nothing in the context to tell us any different. So when we come to this chapter, we're going to take what the words say in their natural meaning unless there's some reason not to. Can so, I
0: can I ask a question, though? Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot Uh-oh. here. Uh-oh. Okay. In 2 Peter 3, we talk about this. It says, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. How do you reconcile that with us saying, oh, no, here, it's speaking of an actual thing thousand years literally and then there it's not how would you how would you answer a question i would would say that the writer john is
1: it it's possible that there could be some thinking that way but he emphasizes look look what it says then i saw an angel coming down from heaven having a key to the bottomless pit which i believe is literal Mm -hmm. i I believe there's a bottomless pit that's going to be used for satan and a chain in his hand, and he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, Satan, bound him for a thousand years. The context there, it's not for a day. He's not binding him for a day. Mm-hmm. He's binding him for a specific time period, but goes on, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished.
0: Yeah. So it's the con- not like he's going. Uh, but a thousand years could be a day, and a day could be—it's not. He's not giving the. I agree with Peter that we
1: in t- time to God means nothing, right? So I always joke in a in a good sense. I hope. Hey, he's been gone a couple days. We think it's a long time—two thousand years. He's been gone a couple days. God, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. But in the context here, he's putting Satan. He's locking him up for a specific period of time. And he's letting us know the beginning of it and the
0: end of it as well. Exactly,
1: exactly. And so, but after these things, he must be released for a little while. Mm -hmm. So the whole context here is chronology, because there's going to be things that happen during this thousand years. In fact, there's prophetic writings that tell us that there's going to be people who die during this period. But if they die at 100 years old, according to Isaiah 65 hundred years old. My mother is ninety-nine, and I'm telling you, in our culture, ninety-nine, we say, "Um, that's amazing. That, yep. That's amazing. How how is that possible?" In Isaiah's talking about somebody dies at a hundred. That's what did he do wrong? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he must have done. So- He's judged by the man, by the King, pri- mm-hmm. the King, Priest, Savior, Jesus Christ, who who is absolutely just, and unless you're obedient. Boom, he rules with a, a, a rod of iron. And so this is important, but it's a blessing. This is, this is the good, this is the life that is going to come out of that 70th week of Daniel, that time of Jacob's trouble. It's a total reversal of the curse, and there's going to be blessing because God promised to one people only one ethnic literal nation was chosen, Israel. Mm-hmm. Only one, and so th- this promise is going to them and the whole world. I'll bless them that bless thee, and the
0: whole rest of the world and all the nations will be blessed because of God's blessing to Israel. It's interesting too that it says that uh, Satan is bound so that he doesn't deceive the nations. You know, it, that that's the specific term to talk about the nation, not just Israel, but also the the nations as a whole. And so you're right, is that Satan's been attempting to deceive the nations. God binds him, puts him in the abyss for a thousand years. For this moment in Judaism, that's called the Messianic Age. We call it the Millennium, but this is the Messianic Age, because we believe Jesus is the Jewish Messiah who will return and sit on his throne in Jerusalem and bring the justice— righteousness, and peace that the Old Testament prophets had talked about. What a day this is going to be,
1: and what a time period this will be. Isn't it interesting that with Satan bound, there's no Satan made me do it. Mm -hmm. Back in my day, there was a a comedian who used to say, the devil made me do this. The (laughs) devil made me do this. Uh, Flip Wilson was his name. Uh, Well, there is no Satan to bother us, but what happens, Chris— What's going to happen during this period? Oh, it's great blessing, but stuff's going to happen, especially at the end. We're going to see the human heart on its own. It, the natural fallen man's human
0: heart is sinful. It, it's almost like uh, the Garden of Eden, but for a thousand years almost. You get this rule of Christ for a thousand years, and then Satan gets to come out for one last hurrah, to deceive the nations just as he deceived Adam and Eve, and and that's when things can go men right, And men and women right. are going to follow him. Yep.
1: Even with the king, the king of kings is seated on the throne. People are living longer, diseases gone, uh, affluence for everyone, bounty for everyone, no more hungry, no n- nothing,
0: and it's not going to be good enough and you know it's almost like a, a it sounds almost like a political campaign you know oh come over here this things are better on this side oh look what he's done to you look at how he's treated you here or what i'll do it better for you i can help you that's not what he said he didn't say he would give you life or so and it sounds again you know again like the garden of eden where satan comes in and deceives adam and eve uh, and it, it, leads them astray it, yep yep that's true well verse 4 says and i
1: saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them and i saw the souls of those who have been beheaded for their witness to jesus these are people in the tribulation who have been martyred in jesus's name uh and for the word of god who had not worshiped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands and they lived and reigned with christ for a thousand years chris not a day. Yeah. <laughs> no,
0: not a day. They're going to reign for a thousand years. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. And I also want to highlight, too, that this is something that's been building in the book of Revelation, because there have been moments throughout, as we've been reading it, if you remember, the the those who had um, been martyred um, and suffered for their faith were under the altar, crying out to God, how much longer till you essentially vindicate the blood that we shed in your name. You know, they were waiting for justice. They wanted justice, divine justice. And this is the moment what we see here at the end is finally they're no longer under the altar. Now they're standing next to Christ and they see them. And as you had said here, all I saw all the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God, they had not worshipped the beast nor the image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. So they were resurrected, they returned and they were with Christ, um standing vindicated to God's faithfulness. That's what it's all about. God will remain faithful to those who persevere. That's the idea as well. The perseverance, the endurance, the victory is waiting in the end and Jesus is the one who makes it possible. Chris, this is exciting. And in
1: fact, uh I don't know if we want to transition, I think, transition to the song. Yeah. Uh, because, so what happened is, I, I was thinking of trying to find a song, and I thought of Happy Days Are Here Again, and you your face was, I I never heard that song. I and was I, happy to play it, but I mean, it sounded it, like we were. It, yeah, it didn't do anything. So I looked up another song, and Chris, tell them a little bit about, we don't know this group up, up until about an hour ago. We never heard of them. Uh, and because we, we just want to make sure we share a, a small snippet of it. And in the show notes, you'll, you'll give them an opportunity if they want to hear them. Uh, but we found that this group, which is certainly not normally my style of music, but the words are pretty amazing.
0: They're amazing. This is a, a, a rap group called Hazakim. It's two brothers that are actually Jewish believers out of Columbus, Ohio. And so uh, they wrote a song called Millennium, and Steve found it. And we thought, you know what? It's almost too good. No, it's too good to pass up because the lyrics highlight perfectly exactly what we've been talking about and ultimately the whole story of the book of revelation and how the millennium not only sums up the entire book of revelation but how it sums up God's entire redemptive plan going back to genesis 1 2 and 3 as well so
1: listen to the words that's look it's not my style normally uh, but I couldn't, I was gravitating, as we were listening, I never heard of this group, uh, as they were, ju- and he, he, they enunciate their words so you understand. I have old ears. I usually, uh, I have to talk, when people talk to me, they talk so fast.
0: What What did you say? I understand what they were saying. Don't, didn't you? Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's why we're going to play ha, uh, um, Hazakim. The, uh, the album's name is Origins, and the song name is millennium enjoy
2: logic and reason yet every day and in every way we long for much more than the present day free from the smoke smell of decay and the pepper spray to be the cool cool breeze of the seventh day yeah creation and creator were in harmony peace manifested everything rested in god's sovereignty but here's the mystery possibly the sixth day and the sabbath day is history plus prophecy a day to the Lord's a millennium. Key to discerning the times more than an idiom. In these last days that we're living in, we look toward the millennium. Yeah, let me take you to we the, look deep, toward the millennium. Away from the shallow That's right, the God's promises the fulfilled. The ancient rabbis and church fathers say was a shadow, a blueprint of history and the way it unravels. Explain, it says a day into the Lord is a thousand years. The key of time now appeared loud and clear. For every day of creation, it would mean a corresponding thousand years of history. For six days, God made the heaven and earth. 6,000 years Man is treading the dirt To gain, spread, and disperse and take very rabbinical and Very rabbinical very yep. hurt, death, and a curse yeah. yeah. Seventh day God finished his work And rested yeah. 7,000 year peace On earth perfected okay. When the righteous king Will return To bless and Or rule the Sabbath When the saints of the earth Possess it Woo. Yeah That's the millennial reign Who console and control No video game. I know what many will claim <laughs> But this theory goes back To the disciples of John It's not a trivial all right,
0: everybody. You can listen to the Hazakim on uh, uh, on YouTube. Just look them up. Uh, look we up just the word wanted millennium. to share it on the on the notes and just you can play <laughs> a segment of it. But look, I like that he said in the millennium there'll be no more video games. I'm so tired of trying to get my kids off of video games and taking the the the, the iPads and the and the Switches and all this stuff. It'll be a glorious day if he's right, there'll be no more video games. That's like right. It. That's
1: right. We we just found this to be interesting. We're 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 neither endorsing that we we're not endorsing them. We say this song is
0: interesting and definitely uh, talks about the millennium. 100%. I just want to read one more section before we end here in Revelation 20. It's the judgment of of Satan. When the thousand years are over, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and to gather them for battle. In a number, they are like the sand on the seashore. They marched across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of God's people, the city he loves. But fire came down from heaven and devoured them, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet have been thrown, and they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever. And so, again, the reason I bring that up, because it's going to play into our Yiddish word of the day later on, but I wanted to make sure you hear how this occurs once and for all, where Satan is thrown into the lake of fire, and along with the beast and the false prophet, and to be tormented for uh for day and night forever and ever. You know, I remember the passage and uh, I the 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 passage Steve um in the gospels where the demons they know who Jesus is and they're frightened almost at the idea of being sent to the abyss. This is the same abyss that we see Satan being thrown into because it's the origins of 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 where Satan's coming from. God is sending him back down there and locking it for good and ending it once and for all, and that's when we see a turn away from the millennium, millennial kingdom, and we're going to begin to see a turn into the eternal state. Uh, what a, That's amazing. It's just amazing. God's going to
1: fulfill his promises to Israel, and then a whole new chapter is going to happen, the eternal state, the new Jerusalem, a new heaven, and a new earth.
0: What a day. It will be great, but... Before we get there, we've got some news to talk about. We State. do.
1: Well, a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, I don't know if we'll be eating, but an Israeli startup
0: boosts cultivated meat. <laughs> cultivated <laughs> meat with 3D printing. Yeah, how what in the world? I don't even I saw a picture of it cuz it's a the deep tech startup Stakeholder Foods used select, a, a selection of curated stem cells in its bio ink Oy, I don't, to offer a range of cultivated meat products. That
1: it, it developed unique software that allows for more complex And accurate 3D printing, which means that almost any kind of meat
0: can be printed with extreme precision. I saw a picture of it, and it looks like a T-bone. Is that right? I'll tell you something. Soon enough, you're going to come home, and you'll say, Alice, is uh, dinner almost printed? (laughs) Chris, at the bottom, stakeholder foods... Was founded in 2019 and based in Rehovot. That's right, Rehovot. That's right.
1: We we know people who live in Rehovot. That's
0: right, because our origins and Hesed teams go to Rehovot to do uh, volunteer work at Kaplan Medical Center. So for all of our friends, all right, you're uh, gonna go to the hospital and they're gonna give you 3D printed meat. <laughs> that's right. That we do serve in the kitchen at the hospital. So maybe one day we'll be waiting for the printed meat to come uh, out wait, or whatever. My printer is out. No <laughs> <that's> food. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's when our volunteers step in and refill the ink, okay? So, right. Anyway, well,
1: Chris, you got a news item that I as I read it, I <laughs> this is so amazing. This actually involves archaeology. It involves DNA, actual getting DNA of Things that lived a long time ago and they scraped the DNA. Tell us, what is
0: this? This comes from Israel 365 News. And again, a big shout out to our listener, Alan Holtby, who sent us this. That's how I, I got it. I actually, when I go to set up the the uh, podcast, I'll go, oh, I got to go. I'll just look up Alan's name to look for news and boom. I'll, so Alan, thank you again. Uh, but uh, he sent this article, Biblical Era uh, Yeast Let's Home Brewers Make Biblical Beer. I didn't even know there was biblical beer. <laughs> biblical beer. Beer has been around for a long time. I know that they have found, um, you know, in Egypt they have uh, found the breweries or however they're brewing beer. So it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. But what's different this time, Steve, is that archaeology uh, archaeologists have found Philistine yeast that was discovered at Tel Safi excavation that some believe was the ancient Philistine city of Gat that dates back to 900 B.C., Um, and pretty soon the the archaeologists, or I guess scientists, have taken this yeast that they found at Tel Safi, and they've duplicated it, and now they're selling it to people who make beer at home. So now you can make biblical beer. In 2019,
1: researchers succeeded in isolating Six strains of yeast taken from nanopores. I don't even know what a nanopore is. I don't even know. Uh, found on 21 potsherds excavated from four different sites in Israel that had once held beer or wine. It sounds so,
0: like they had the taps or whatever. Six, oh, we got what flavor do you want? We got six different whatever. And let's here.
1: go get some nanopores. A, <laughs> anyway, I don't drink myself, but I found this article Absolutely amazing that they're reintroducing
0: a beer type that was during the ancient uh, Israelites. You know, this whole uh, archaeology is just—it blows my mind because I guess the image is that you just go down there, you dig around, you find things, blah, blah, blah. But they're doing so much more, like here, th- that they duplicated the yeast from thousands of years ago so that you can taste what beer was like thousands of years ago. They did the same thing with um, with uh, the Judean date palm seed that they found uh, uh, many, many years ago. All of the date palms uh, were torn down, I believe, by the Romans Um And so Israel didn't have any original date palms, and so they imported them from Iraq. So the date palms that you see, if you ever travel to Israel with us, are Iraqi date palms until archaeologists found a date palm seed. They find a lot of them in the Masada excavations, and they took that—scientists took that date palm, and they brought it back to life. It was a 2,000-year-old date palm seed from Herod's Masada, and— They brought it back to life. It's the first Judean uh, uh, date palm in 2,000 years. That's mind-blowing. And then they also found excrement from a human, I believe, and they were able to go in there and find out— Be careful here, Chris. Too much information. Well, that's that's right. They found out he had IBS. (laughs) (laughs) No, they found out what he was was eating and the types of um, bacteria that were in the gut and things— I'm going, what in the world? You know, so it's beyond just simply going, oh, here's a pottery shard. Here's a coin. Here's this ancient civilization. It's going down even to what they were eating, what kind of things were in their gut, what kind of beer they were drinking, all of it. It's amazing.
1: You could go to a restaurant in Israel in the future and say, I'll have that 3D pattern uh, steak (laughs) along with the ancient
0: uh, beer to wash it down. That's right. Oh, and I'd like to follow that with some uh, Judean date palms, please. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. So anyway, that is all something interesting. If you want to drink something from Israel, that's biblical beer. If you want to eat something, that's going to be the cultivated meat with a 3D printer, Steve. But you've got some more serious news. Yeah, to this talk is about.
1: this is kind of sad, uh, discouraging. Uh, those are of uh, our friends in Canada. Uh, you know, we have uh, friends of Israel in our department, Chris North American Ministries Canada is part of that, Rob. God's League is the director of Canada, and uh, our Canadian reps know the uphill battle they've been facing uh, during the administration in Canada that's going on now, and this is even more discouraging news, at least to me. The headline is from uh, Israel 365. Uh, oh, no, this is from Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem Post. Po- Jerusalem Post, sorry. Jerusalem Post, Jewish anti-Israel conference sparks controversy in Canada. There's a group called Jewish Voices. That sounds good. But all the speakers that they brought are Mm anti-Israel speakers. And they uh, promote BDS, uh, Boycotts, Divestments, and Sanctions. They have controversial speakers. uh, Omar Bugatti. Who is the co-founder of the BDS movement. Uh, This group was founded in 2008. Uh, emerged with the support of the United Church of Canada, which provided financial backing for the conference that led to its establishment. The organization collaborates with Jewish Voice for Peace, JVP, its American counterpart, uh, which challenged the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance. This whole thing, Chris, is just an it's anti-Semitism. It's anti-Israel. It's anti-Semitism. Uh, and it's being promoted,
0: and it's just a sad day. But for our listeners, help me. This is a Jewish organization. It is though, a Jewish organization that's promoting an anti-Israel sentiment. It's the Independent Jewish Voices, and I've seen this before in person. Many, many years ago, uh, when I was living in Dallas, I flew up here for a Sabeel conference. I remember you wrote about that in the magazine. Yeah, in Israel, Israel My Glory, a hundred percent. And um, when when uh, I was here when i was here and I, sabil is a palestinian liberation theology proponent uh that's headed by uh, at least i think he still could be doing it but his name is naima teek and he's a, a a pastor um from the from the palestinian territories i think from bethlehem and uh he was promoting palestinian liberation theology and the theology is that the palestinian people don't want to read the old testament because it has to do—it's it's so Zionist. It believes so much that the Jewish people will return to the land. They don't want to read it, so we have to alter the way that the Old Testament reads, and so we want to read the liberation stories of the Exodus account and things of that nature. We want to read those liberation stories in light of the Palestinians being liberated from the Zionists of, of Israel. Uh, it's all very interesting. But when I was there, I noticed there were some speakers that were—it's a very anti-Israel conference— but that there were some speakers that were Jewish themselves that were coming from organizations like this that were speaking down to Israel, calling it an apartheid state and things of that nature. And that's why this is interesting, Steve. I'm interested to know, as a Jewish person, what does it feel like to hear that Jewish people are running anti-Israel conferences?
1: Look, we've already talked about the fact that uh, our people, you get two of us together, you get three opinions. I joke about that all the time. Look, in Israel itself, when they built the Knesset, when they designed it, they set a whole section just for people who protest, who disagree. There's stuff going on in Israel. It is a democracy. It, they allow for other views. And in fact, in the Knesset, there are Arab Arab uh, reps mm-hmm. who denounce Israel. And so, yes, there are Jewish people, just like there are Jewish people who deny the existence of God, and that's... The Bible's the only way we know the Jewish people are God's chosen people, and they're saying, ah, no, not true, we're not chosen, none of that's true. So look, I would defend their right to uh, be that way if that's what they're saying, but if you look at Jewish history, the kinds of things that they're spewing are things that anti-Semites, anti-Jewish people, anti-Israel, deniers of the Holocaust— look. Uh, there's a uh, it's it says uh, uh, IJV is expected to adopt resolutions during its annual general meeting, including one that resembles the revoked 1975 U.N. resolution equating Zionism with racism. Yep. So it's it's not good. Uh, they have the right to do it. Uh, I strongly disagree
0: with them. And the scriptures disagree with that. Number, I, I think of two things. Number one, the idea of equating Zionism with racism and adopting that result or that kind of resolution. You know, they're they're so pro Palestinian, and we should be we should care and support, have love for the Palestinian people. God, God loves the world, a hundred percent. And at the same time, though, their policies are more racist then israel Israel is a democracy. You can go there and shake the hand of an Arab Muslim, an Arab Christian, a a a, a Druze, a, a um a Jewish person. They're all Israeli citizens. They all have voice from the Knesset, okay? Uh, but then when you go to the Palestinian territories, I've heard it before. they ask the question, if you ever get a Palestinian state, will Jewish people be allowed in your Palestinian state? I don't know no. I don't know. I don't think so. And so that's called racism. That's racism. And yet they endorse these things. The other side of the coin, too, is thinking about the fact of someone like a Theodore Herzl, who uh is right behind me right now. He was somebody that believed, ah, Jewish people just need to stop being Jewish. If they just assimilate, then guess what? They won't be different, or then they won't be different, and then they won't have anti-Semitism, there won't be hatred. But he quickly learned something. That the culture around him, the world around him, was was attacking Jewish people. Where will these Jewish people go when the very people that they're holding signs up with to get rid of Israel turn on them and say, "Hey, we're coming for you next. You're the you know that always happens. Anti Zionism meetings always blend into anti Semitism, the hatred of Jewish people. Always. And so where are they going to go? They're going to have to, of course, they're going to have to fly to the very place they hate, Israel, because it's the only Jewish state in the world that will accept them like that so it's interesting to see these things and it's troubling especially the resolutions that they're adopting but uh something that we need to keep an eye on and we'll absolutely. keep talking absolutely absolutely all right steve so yiddish word of the day well normally you turn it over to me
1: but you found the yiddish word for the day so i'm going to ask you to tell us what it is.
0: Well, I'll just say I found this Yiddish word of the day, and I want to thank the one and only uh, Alice Herzig because she has turned me onto a Facebook page that maybe our listeners who are on Facebook might want to go check out. And it's a, it's like a Yiddish word of the day. It's like the joys of Yiddish or something like that. And so all throughout but the day, people could write in. They put comments below. A hundred percent. And so uh, they're hilarious. <laughs> oh, that's that's somebody will just throw out a Yiddish word, and they'll say, "What does it mean?" And then boom, there's hundreds of responses. And that's where I got this one. The Yiddish word of the day is shtiknar, Steve. Shtiknar. I gotta be careful because I feel like something yep. might slip out that might get me that's in trouble. That's right. We'll, we'll need a bleep. Shtiknar. Shtiknar. which literally means piece of a fool. Well, who are we alluding to
1: in uh, Revelation chapter 20, Chris? Well,
0: we're alluding to
1: that fool who
0: comes back out of the abyss to deceive people. The Shticknar, Satan himself. He's a piece of a fool. And yet, once again, God will show his sovereignty over his creation. But Shticknar literally means piece of a fool, but means someone who's very foolish. The Yiddish word of the day, Steve. What a word. What a word. <laughs> Shticknar. Well, everybody, everybody, thank you so much for being with us on the Jew and Gentile podcast. It's a joy. It's a joy to be with you. Chris, this was, uh, we had a lot of different things going on. We're, we're mishmashing this thing whole, all over the place. Mishmash, right? Mishmash. That's right. Well, listen, don't uh, mishmash for too long. Get ordered and get yourself to foiequip.org. And there you can register for Tim Harrison's upcoming class this July on church history you'll want to be there it'll be a great time also text us 424-444-1948 tell us about the mugs are you in or out are you in or out on the mug on the mug come on a mug on a mug 424-444-1948 hey we'll see you next week